grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. is so different though in america we are probably one of the most individualistic societies that the world has known we operate very independently and individualistically and we think often of ourselves first even when we think about the idea of a household or a family most of us think about our our immediate like nuclear family or the people that we live with that's that's what we think of immediately when we think of family. 
the average American family is comprised of approximately two and a half people. I feel bad for the those half people statistically. I don't know what it looks like to be a half person, but two and a half people in in the American in the average American uh, household. But in the Bible, a typical household would be comprised of something more like fifty to a hundred people. We've been studying the book of Genesis, and in the book of Genesis, it even said that uh, Jacob's household was made up of seventy people. Okay, so we. The, the reason that this is important is because we're launching this four-week sermon series called The Spiritually Vibrant Home. And there's, as Pastor Kevin said, a small group, a Bible study going along with this. Uh, we're going to have a lot of other resources coming to continue to build up not only your own spiritual lives, but your spiritual households. And therefore, it's appropriate for us as we open up the scriptures and see the Bible talk about households, which it does a lot, that we have a pro an appropriate understanding that it's not just talking about a small nuclear family. It's talking about all these people that we are in close contact with, even with COVID, but that we're in close contact relationally with that we have an influence over. Because <laughs> say that you live alone. Some of you here probably live in a house or an apartment by yourselves. Are you part of a household? According to the biblical definition, yes, you are. Whoever you are around, and yes, I know this COVID season is weird, but if you have people coming into your home or you go regularly into other people's homes or you have continuous relationships with people, that biblically, by definition, they're part of your household. If you live in college with roommates, are they part of your household? Yes. Biblically, yes, if you live with a spouse and with children, yes, they are your household, but so are all of the other people that you are in close relationship with. And this is what is important. What we learned biblically, and we're going to hear over and over over the course of the next few weeks, is that God cares about households. Yes, he cares about you as an individual, but I would say even more so scripturally, we learn that God cares about your household and God is present in your household. And Jesus died to forgive all of the people in your household. God wants you to be a spiritually vibrant person, someone who is truly and fully alive in Christ. He doesn't want that just for you. He wants it for your whole household. Here at Saints Peter and Paul, we say it like this, our vision statement. We at Saints Peter and Paul are a vibrant and multiplying family of God that is truly and fully alive in Christ. I want you to repeat that after me. We are a vibrant, we are a vibrant and multiplying family of God 
that is truly and fully alive in Christ. That's who we are. We are a vibrant family of God that is alive in Christ. We are not in this life alone. You are not alone. You may be sitting here with hundreds of other people right now, yet feeling alone. I tell you, you're not alone. We're in this together, and God is present with us here in this family of God called St. Peter and Paul, which is a household of households, this church. But God also cares about you. And he's present with you. He loves you. He forgives you. He cares about your whole household and forgives your whole household. And he wants you to be alive in Christ with that house. Have you ever built a house before? Do we have any construction people out there? Raise your hand if you've built a house before. All right, good on you. I've never built a house. I've seen a house get built. What do you start with when you build a house? We read it in the gospel lesson. We sang it in that hymn. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ. Our foundation is Jesus the Christ. Jesus is our foundation. We're making this interactive today. Say that with me. Jesus is our foundation. Say it again. Jesus is our foundation. Some of your lips are not moving. Jesus is our foundation. Foundations matter. They do. Thankfully, my family and I this summer got to spend a lot of time at beaches in our beautiful copper country. We had a beautiful summer. I did a lot of time digging in the sand with my three little kids. Built some pretty cool sand castles, dug some pretty deep holes. But what happens when you're building those structures in sand? If you dig too deep, if you dig that hole in, if you've seen that happen, right? You get to that water level, you got those perfect sides, and you think, man, this is so cool. I'm going to build a, a swimming pool here, and, and it's going to be awesome. And then after a little while, what happens? It just, just it's caving in. Or you build a structure a little bit too close and the wind picks up and those waves come in and they just cut out the bottom of your structure. Right? In the gospel lesson today, Jesus says, don't be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And when the, the floods rose, that house was swept away. Be like the wise man who built his house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Foundations matter. What's the foundation of your spiritual house? 
I'm using that term in a biblical sense. What's the foundation of your house? Not just the physical structure, but the people in it and the extended people that are connected to it. What's your foundation? If it is not Jesus, you will be swept away. When the floods of life come, like pandemics and civil unrest, when you don't know who in politics you can trust or which medical advice is correct or who on social media is giving you the truth or whether there is any truth at all, if you're looking and searching and you're feeling like you're being tossed to and fro, if your foundation is not Jesus, you'll be swept away. When it is Jesus, when your foundation is Jesus, just like the psalmist says in Psalm 46, even when the waters roar and foam, even when the mountains get thrown into the heart of the sea, be still and know that God is your refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Over the course of the next four weeks, Pastor Kevin alluded to this, but we're going to be reading the same Old Testament lesson from Deuteronomy chapter 6 over and over again, which is a reminder to us about putting God's Word in front of us. And each week when you come to worship, we're going to read those words out loud together, and so I want to practice this with you now. If you can take out your bulletin and turn to that Old Testament lesson from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to read out loud together just the second half of it, starting at verse 4 through verse 9, beginning with the words, Hear, O Israel. Please read with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God wants his word all around you, to surround you and fill you, to lead you, to pursue you, to be with you and in you. This is what God wants his word to be. He is with you always, whether you know it or acknowledge it. But where you are, are the words of God ever on your lips? I ask you, what are the words that are quick to exit your mouth and be on your lips. Which words are most quick to be on your lips these days? Are they words of anger? Words of frustration? Words of fear? Words of worry? Words of division? Words of gossip? Are those your words? 
Are the words that are ever on your lips words of love, words of strength, words of forgiveness, words of grace, words of peace and hope and unity and life? Are, are the words on your lips the words of Jesus or the words of the world? And where are those words written? Are they just written here on a handout for you at Sundays uh, at church? Or, or are they just in a dusty Bible tucked somewhere in a box or a shelf in your home? Or are the words of God present in your life, always going before you, pursuing you in your heart and your mind and on your lips? That is where God wants to be. It's where he promises to be. It's where he needs to be in your life not just for your sake, but because he cares about your whole household. And Jesus wants to be part of your household. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus was homeless. The Bible tells us that Jesus was homeless. Why was he homeless? So he could come and live in your house. So you could invite him to move in and be present with you always. Jesus gave up his life, laying it down so that you could build yours on his foundation. And he lifted up his life through his resurrection so that you could be lifted up and built as a strong and mighty household, vibrant in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus cares about your whole household. And it starts with the foundation Jesus is our foundation. Say that with me again. Jesus is our foundation. Today is Confirmation Day. The day for young people in our church to stand before their family and friends in this congregation and confirm that Jesus is their foundation. They've been taught and nurtured in the faith, and now they stand before you today to tell you that there's nothing in this world that gives them hope except for Jesus, that there is nothing else in this world that can give them strength. There is no one who can forgive and love them like Jesus does. And so they're here to tell you that. Normally, we would have had this confirmation service on Palm Sunday back in March, but it was too cold and snowy to have an outdoor service that day, so we didn't do it, so here we are today. To those of you who are the parents and grandparents and baptismal sponsors and friends of these young people, thank you for pouring the foundation of Jesus into their lives. Thank you for starting them on this journey. But I challenge you today, parents, grandparents, sponsors, friends of these young people, don't stop now. Just because they are here today to say and make this faith their own, do not leave these young people alone. It has been researched time and time again that you are the most influential and important people in the faith development of these young people. You cannot leave them alone to be tossed to and fro in this world. Continue to build that house. You're a part of a household of faith together. And faith is not an individualistic pursuit. It's a household pursuit. And you young people, you young people, Eric and Danny and Leah and Sam and Sam and Jordan and 
I've got the rest of the list somewhere. I'm just looking for eyes that were closed. <laughs> I challenge you to live spiritually vibrant lives. I challenge you to live spiritually vibrant lives. I urge you to build your households on this foundation which has been laid for you. Because I tell you, the waves and the storms of this life will not cease. Talk to your parents or grandparents, they know. You guys know. Without Jesus as our foundation, Jesus as our foundation. We've got everything. To the rest of you here, I challenge you to do the same. Let us live those spiritually vibrant homes, being truly and fully alive in Christ as a family of God, not only here at church, not only in our own lives, but in our households. Amen. Just a brief announcement looking forward. Over the next three weeks, we're going to open up this conversation further into some research that's been done about what it looks like to be spiritually vibrant households and three things they've found that spiritually vibrant households have in them are messy prayers <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect loud tables i've got three young kids i know what that's all about and open doors about having spiritual uh, hospitality and also i want to encourage you to stay tuned uh, to our email list uh, we're going to be unveiling a, a number of resources uh, to continue to open up this conversation with you and your households and others, uh, not only at church on Sundays, but also throughout the week. So continue to stay tuned uh, to all of that coming 